Hello and welcome to this EndoLife podcast, episode four. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm the creator of this EndoLife.com and this show is all about bringing you guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others with their work. Today I'm talking to Shelby Haddon. She's the writer, director and producer of a short animated film in the making, Tightly Wound. Um, so Tightly Wound is Shelby's story of growing up as a teenager and young, young adult with, with vaginismus. Um, we do explain what vaginismus is in the beginning of the interview if you don't know what it is. So I'll leave the science bit for them. We talk pretty frankly about sex and the lack of it um, and what it was like growing up as a young person with this big secret about their body that, you know, she didn't understand. Um, she had no idea what it was. Um, we talk about the link between vaginismus and pelvic floor dysfunction um, and endometriosis. And we also talk about why she made the film, um, the whole process behind making the film and how during that time she has managed to become vaginismus free through hard work and um, dedication and a great health professional. It's an important topic because conditions, like especially pelvic pelvic pain conditions really overlap um, and women may be confused about the pain that they're going through because they know that they have endometriosis in one area and it doesn't link up with the pain that they're getting elsewhere and then the doctors are like well I don't know why you're getting that pain there because you're you know your endo gross aren't there um, so this is so interesting because it could help explain to some of you you know why you're getting um these problems in your vagina and why endometriosis could cause other issues chronic pain issues in your pelvic area um obviously i'm not a doctor so this is um all you know useful information you can go and discuss with your doctor but i just think it's such an important topic and because i don't really know or understand the area i just had so many questions to ask so um i hope that you find this conversation as interesting as i did here she is. Thank you so much for joining us and being with us today. For our listeners who don't know um, much about vaginismus, could you just tell us what the condition is and you know what the symptoms are? Sure. Vaginismus is a pelvic floor condition where the muscles in and around the vagina involuntarily mm. contract and that causes pain, penetration problems, um, and, you know, so that can affect people's lives in a variety of ways. Uh, mm. For me, when I first realized I had it, it was because I couldn't insert a tampon when I got my period for the yeah. first time. So that was when you were like 14, right? Right, yeah. And um, would you... Would you know that you had it that early on? I mean, I know you weren't diagnosed for a long time after that, but um, would the symptoms be that obvious at that stage? Is it something that's always there or would it? can it just start later in life? There are two types of vaginismus, primary and secondary. Mm. So I have primary, which basically means that I've always had it. And then secondary can come at any point in someone's life. Um, I, when I hear about people having 
secondary. It usually comes after maybe a surgery or a pregnancy or some sort of change in their body, but that's not 100% the case. But I would say from the people I've spoken to, that's mostly the case. Okay. And what about what about the causes behind it? Um, because like you're saying, it could be surgery or um, pregnancy. It, I guess it's not the same for every woman. And are there other causes? It's definitely not the same for every woman. Um, you, you know, it's, vaginismus is complicated and mm. difficult to explain for people, or even not to explain, but just for people to understand because it becomes this cyclical condition. And I think there are a lot of medical conditions that are like this, but basically if you experience pain, then you get anxious about it because Mm. you're expecting pain. Yeah, Yeah. So then your muscles tighten more because that's a physical reaction to anxiety. And then the tighter your muscles are, the harder it is to penetrate and the more pain you'll have. Right. Uh, Yeah, so it just becomes this cycle. And, um, you know, people, you know, for treatments, people are doing Botox. Um, I know, like, people are experimenting and, like, looking at how hormones affect it. Like, if you don't have enough estrogen, um, it might affect the muscle control and the behavior of the muscles again i'm not a medical expert but this is just what i've collected yeah yeah talking to lots of people um and going through my own treatment Mm. and it could also be a lot of um, emotional and mental causes so people who've had been sexually assaulted and have sexual trauma Mm. that can cause vaginismus Um, or people who just have negative, um, like reactions to sex or, you know, yeah. yeah, If people have, you know, were brought up that sex is dirty and bad, um, that can cause vaginismus. So there's a wide variety of ways you could either have it or develop it. And you, I mean, I'm just, because this podcast is, um, I mean, the foundations of this podcast is about endometriosis, but it extends to, you know, other chronic conditions and mental health issues and things. But do you do you know if it can ever be linked to endometriosis, for example, if you've got continuous pelvic pain um, and you know that sex always hurts or sometimes it hurts, do you think that tension could bring on vaginismus or even just... Um, I don't know, like, not not the condition itself, but similar symptoms? Sure. I definitely think that could all lead to vaginismus. And even in the pelvic floor community, there are physicians and physical therapists who don't even like to use the word vaginismus. Right, okay. Or any of the kind of subsets of uh, pelvic pain but rather they like pelvic floor dysfunction because if you have one thing, you probably have another thing. Mm. And so I absolutely think there could be a link um, between endometriosis and vaginismus. I do not have endometriosis. And Mm. again, I'm not a doctor, but (laughs) 
from what I've learned, I could see that happening. Yeah, no, I because the reason I ask is because um, I think it would be really useful for women who have endometriosis and maybe other you know conditions that are that are causing pain in that area to when you don't know that something can be linked you just think oh it's you know it's my endo acting weird or something but I've definitely mm -hmm. had um feelings of like tightness in the vaginal walls and almost as if like almost like a swelling as if like I've torn a muscle or something that's the only way I could describe it like um and I it doesn't it doesn't add up to where my endo growths are so yeah. I've always wondered like oh what's what's that um but I would only feel it when I go to have sex and I'm like oh that that doesn't feel very comfortable um and I'm sure that there are other women out there who are experiencing similar I mean I know that um sex mm -hmm. like it's painful to have sex with endometriosis so I just yeah I just wondered about that um yeah absolutely and even um like so this is kind of getting ahead of the timeline we're talking about but I've actually kind of overcome my vaginismus very recently wow. but even even then you know I still had pelvic floor dysfunction my so I didn't have the involuntary contractions, mm. but I still had lots of muscle tension and tightness. And so it still made penetration difficult and painful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, I definitely, if, you know, I could totally see you having muscle tightness or pelvic floor dysfunction as a result. Okay. That really like, that makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So for women who um, are thinking they might have vaginismus or, you know, the beginning of it, like the beginnings of it, what kind of, mm -hmm. would you really, really know about it? Like, or c can it always be really severe or could it be more of a, something doesn't feel quite right? What kind of things should they look out for? Sure, there's definitely a spectrum because I've had friends who've had it and never had a problem inserting a tampon like I did. Mm. But once they went to have sex, that's when they realized that something was wrong. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess if you're wondering if you have it, it's, you know, with vaginismus, it's not chronic in the sense that you have pain all the time, even when you're oh, just okay. sitting down. Or, I thought it was yeah. continuous. No, it, I'm, it's usually when you just have like penetration. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and again, like it's different for everyone. So I'm sure there are some people who have more continuous pain. Mm. Um, but I think for the most part with vaginismus specifically, it's when you're trying to insert something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So having, and you know, like I describe it, like you're hitting a wall when you try to insert something, um, it just like won't go in, and it yeah, feels like yeah. you don't have a hole down there at all. Yeah. Um, Do you know what? So, I'm actually having flashbacks, like <laughs> about going to graphic, yeah. but I'm remembering like when I was younger, I was always, um, I had quite a lot of friends who were like, "Oh, she's frigid about me because I had sex at quite a young, uh, late age, rather." 
and um I remember like the second guy that like my second like serious boyfriend like it was near on impossible and like I got like a text from him that my friends thought was hilarious asking whether we should try lube <laughs> and, <Yeah. my> friends, <laughs> and I never really thought anything of it I mean I've never actually thought about it again till now um mm -hmm. when you said hitting a wall and I was like oh yeah that that sounds familiar um, yeah. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Just a <laughs> just a moment. I remembered. <laughs> yeah. So I w if you have trouble inserting a tampon, a finger, or if you have painful gynecological exams, like those are all good indicators that you might have vaginismus or some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction. Mm. Okay. And what about diagnosis? So. Um, you know, we're definitely going to talk about your your film, but I just wanted to get into the condition itself. And I know the film's about your kind of journey to diagnosis as well. But how do you get diagnosed and what was that like for you? Sure. I I pretty much self-diagnosed. Oh, wow. I, yeah, I saw the word, the, the word and definition for vaginismus in a textbook in college I was my freshman year of college and it was like everything clicked I was like that is what happens to me. Mm, yeah you know and, when you when you mm -hmm. read the symptoms yeah yeah because it's like I didn't you know up until that point I was just struggling with it internally and on my own and you know every time I went to a gynecologist they're like everything's anatomically perfect down there um, so nothing is wrong with you. But then when I saw that definition, the involuntary spasms, I was like, that is absolutely what happens to me. But in the definition, it also says that it's caused by sexual trauma. Mm. And that wasn't the case for me. Um, but, you know, I think especially back then, and that was, you know, almost 10 years ago, that's what everyone thought it was it was just like that's how you get it right okay and, I see yeah yeah was that um, scary for you because did you think that there was something you didn't remember at that point yes I I remember going to a doctor one time and we were talking through it and I said I think I have vaginismus and her immediate response was well were you sexually assaulted and I said no and then she asked well is it possible that you could have been sexually assaulted and have you know and repress the memory mm. and that is a really scary that's not, yeah that's terrifying yeah it's like I mean if you don't remember you don't remember so yeah. it's like you know I was like 99% sure that that didn't happen because I you know I, I've been very fortunate and up until that point, I had no um, experience, like, being in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, if, like, someone's saying, well, you could have just repressed it, you're like, oh, well, maybe I did. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and then you run the risk of, like, kind of creating memories that, you know, might not be real. Um, mm -hmm. So, but, of course, you know, with there are many cases where people do repress those memories but it is scary when yeah that that question is brought to you and you don't really <laughs> you don't know yeah 
Yeah, and I, so I wasn't like officially officially diagnosed with vaginismus until I found a physical therapist who okay. confirmed that I had it. But none of my OBGYNs ever really confirmed it. They didn't diagnose me with it. Uh, I think I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia at one point, which I don't have. But I oh, think, you don't have it? But they okay, wow. Yeah, I think that they were just like, uh, this is. I guess this is what you have. Like, mm. you know, I don't, but I don't, I don't have that. Um, they're the only doctor who ever said that. I think they just wanted to give me an answer. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. What? So it wasn't until my physical therapist did like, I get that validation and confirmation. And why, why is it so hard for all of the doctors you've seen, you know, why is it so hard for them to diagnose it? Cause if it's, they're trained professionals and if everything else is perfect then surely you'd start looking at things that have been caused by trauma or you know the tightening of muscles yeah mm -hmm. I just why why is that so hard um from a lot of my interviews and talking to people I've found out that doctors and physicians like they don't learn about the skeletal muscular system Right, okay. That much. Like, they really focus on anatomy. And so, either like they don't know about pelvic floor dysfunction or they just don't know a lot about it. And so, they're, you know, just like trying to get you out of the office because they don't know how to help you. <laughs> and I think it's a human, it's human nature, especially if you're a doctor, you want to be the expert and mm. probably being uncertain is very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like even the doctor who referred me to physical therapy, she only knew about physical therapy because the day before, a physical therapist who was new to town came into the no. office and left. Yes, the oh day my before. God. She left a brochure. And this is like, so I just had a normal annual pap so smear. I know. And she just, this was the first time I saw this doctor. I'm like, I'm really struggling with this. Like, why is it so painful? Why can't I do these things? And she's like, you know, I don't know, but this woman came by yesterday. I'll give you her card and maybe she can help you. But like, <laughs> like kind of very much like, I don't have time to talk about this. Uh, so here's some information and hopefully that's what you have and she can do something about it. And that's really when, I started my path to treatment. So I'm super grateful for the timing of that, even yeah, though that doctor that's Amazing timing. Yeah. But just I mean, it's just it's it's so similar to, you know, the stories you hear with endometriosis. Um yeah. and I've sp spoken to different women, um, especially in America, who have endo, and so many of them are referred to a physical therapist for it. Now, no mm -hmm. one, no one has ever said that to me, and I don't really know. None of my friends have been referred to it either. So it's just like none of the doctors think about that over here. Well, maybe they do, but I have not met anyone yet who have been referred to a physio yeah. for it. So it's I just, God, it's crazy. Yeah, well, I wonder, because, I mean, well, endometriosis is um, having, you know, that everything, like, build outside. Mm. So I, I don't know, I don't know exactly how 
physical therapy could help someone with endo, but that would be you know, something for you to explore for sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, from who the girls that I've spoken to, I think it's uh, largely to do with um, sex, but also that the pelvic mm. floor gets so tense and painful gotcha. because you're always tense and you're always you know, in pain, not always, sometimes you're not always in pain, but, um, yeah. yeah, but it's just so interesting that doctors don't, there's not that link there, that they don't mm -hmm. make that, you know, realisation that it could, it could help you, for example, <laughs> until someone, like, puts it in their face with a leaflet. Yeah, wow. exactly. So, how, how can they tell that you have vaginismus? So, how did your physio, like, work it out? So, um, she inserted her finger inside me and she could feel the contractions happening and oh, okay. the overall muscle tense, uh, tightness, because that's what pelvic floor physical therapy is. Like right. they just insert their finger inside you for about an hour and oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, and it's hard <laughs> I don't really know what they do 100%, but they move <laughs> in a lot of different directions and pull on things and mm. yank on your bladder and like massage, um, kind of do like deep tissue massage on your abdomen and your legs because all of those muscles are also related or like connected right, to yeah, those yeah. pelvic floor. And so, you know, a lot of it though, the internal work is they just have their fingers inside you and can feel it happening wow so actually it's it's relatively simple to diagnose once you find the right person yeah mm -hmm. so it's it's and awareness really it is because it's estimated that six to eight percent of women will have vaginismus at some point in their lifetime and then it's estimated that 20 percent of women will have pelvic floor dysfunction at some point in their lifetime so lots of people are dealing with it and don't even know because again yeah. you know like people have different degrees of it and you know mine was pretty severe and that's why I knew something was wrong but then some people just think oh sex is supposed to hurt mm -hmm. or you know like, yeah yeah or you just kind of put up with that weird that weird pain you get like you know that weird pain like, you get in your shoulder which should probably be looked at but you just think oh, it's always been there Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wow. So are doctors now becoming more aware? Is like, are they being educated? How's that like looking? You know, it's hard for me to answer that because <laughs> now that I've been making this film, I've met so many doctors who right, are familiar yeah. with it. Okay. And so it, it feels to me like everybody knows what it is, mm. even though... I like rationally know that's not true because I spent seven years and saw a dozen doctors who didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there's still a long way to go, but it definitely seems to me that people are starting to talk about these issues more publicly right now. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. there's a swing of narratives coming out and people being brave and owning their stories. And so hopefully we can start changing that yeah completely fingers crossed and I think your film's going to do so much for that um so 
what was life like for you before your diagnosis? I mean, and I know that the film covers this, so I, you might want to talk about it together and what, what you're going to be covering in the film. But um, I know that you, you know, you really struggled growing up, especially when it came to like sex and your friends losing their virginity and you not really knowing what the hell was happening. Yeah, I was, it always felt like this looming secret mm. and this um, kind of scary thing. It, like every time I went to the doctor, I was kind of hoping somebody would say, oh, you have this disease or you have cancer, like, you know, an explanation. Wow. Yeah, um, whatever it was, you just kind of wanted an answer. Exactly. And every time they're like, nope, you're perfect. And which on one hand is definitely a relief. But yeah. on the other hand, it's like, well, why can't I do these things? And, you know, when you can't, I'm a very active person. Mm. And so when I played sports in high school, it was very difficult to wear pads. Um, you know, I ran cross country and our uniforms were basically bathing suit bottoms. Oh, wow. And yeah, so like running three miles and you're wearing spankies and you're like, I hope it doesn't of fall course. out or like yeah, I see. You like you yeah. never ever wear tampons, so like swimming and stuff and swimming yeah, like I would just not really be able to plan beach trips because my and my period was irregular for a long time too, so that only worsened it. Mm, um, right, okay. You know, yeah. like you're like, well, if I go on this trip or if I go camping with these people if I give my period, I'm out of luck. And then I have to tell them that I can't use a tampon, which is the oh, most God. embarrassing yeah, yeah. thing. And there was a lot of shame and embarrassment around my body during that time. Mm. Uh, and it just seemed like it was very frustrating that people were able to use tampons and then eventually have sex and I was like I'm never going to be able to do those things and I don't know why and I can't tell anyone yeah um, that's that's really that's like a really scary I guess you know I, sex isn't the most important thing in the world but when you have no idea when you have nothing like no perspective on what's going on yes that's such a weird thought to think about growing up, like, why the hell can't I do this? Exactly, and sex isn't everything, but it is part of life, mm. and I want to experience all parts of life, yeah, and of so, <laughs> um, you know, having those thoughts at such a young age, like, well, maybe I'll never be able to do it, and then maybe I'll never be able to find someone who'll marry me, or maybe I'll never be able to have kids, like, all of those things, are terrifying yeah and to, you know not have those options especially as I think you know number one for women that part of your body is already charged it's so politically and socially charged yeah, in yeah. so many ways and then what does it mean when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to and you know not that every woman wants to have kids but I think not having that option is really um, kind of confusing and mm. scary. And um, so, and you know, and when you have vaginismus, that doesn't mean that you can't have kids. But at the time, I had no idea 
if that was ever going to be a possibility. Yeah, of course. So how did that affect you mentally and emotionally in like your in terms of your attitude towards your body? Um, did you reject your body like in your femininity? Yeah, it was I have I have a really complicated <laughs> relationship with it. Um, I definitely hated my body at times and um, you know, feeling like very frustrated that I couldn't figure out who I was sexually or romantically. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I couldn't date and I felt like, you know, there were just these things I couldn't participate in because my body had limitations that mm -hmm. I couldn't control. And um, I felt infantilized. I felt ashamed. Like I remember thinking, you know, you know, whenever you hear about a young pregnancy, it's like, oh, those girls that are like, <laughs> you know, five, seven years younger than me are having babies and I can't even <laughs> use a tampon, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, you definitely feel infantilized. And, mm. um, and especially, I think, when you're in college and you're trying to, you're on your way to becoming an adult and that part of yourself is just, like, stunted. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, that um, must be pretty surreal. Yeah, it was really, really difficult. So... When you were then diagnosed, I'm assuming that was a relief, but also you then had to get used to this idea of what you had and go through different treatments. So you said that you've overcome vaginismus recently. So yes. where are you at now and what, what kind of, what's that journey been like since being diagnosed? Sure, I had been in and out of physical therapy for four years. And during that time, um, because, you know, it's kind of like a long story, but I started off in Nashville and then I moved to Texas. And so, you know, it took me a while to find treatment in Texas. But right, yeah. that whole time I was always using my dilators at home and doing the exercises I was told to do. Mm. Um, and then I found a physical therapist in Austin and... I went to her like once a week for two years. Oh my gosh. Was that, yes. so you had to pay for that as well, right? Oh Is yeah. And, mm -hmm. wow. and it was covered by insurance, um, you know, so it wasn't a terrible expense, but it still costs money. It, mm, yeah. You know, it took a lot of time. It was a solid half an hour away from my apartment so every Tuesday morning I was like okay I have to drive half an hour then be there for an hour then drive home yeah, for half an hour. Yeah it's a chunk isn't it yeah. Yeah and I was in grad school for most of that time so you know grad school is very challenging and time consuming and it was like okay I have this like weekly thing and <laughs> you know like it, just telling people like oh I have a doctor's appointment Every, Every week, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it takes like my entire morning. Um, and then, of course, using dilators for about thirty minutes every day at home. And I Gosh. stopped. And I like to exercise, and I do boot camps and stuff. And so I've 
had to stop doing crunches and sit-ups and um, you know that brings attention to myself to and people will ask so like do you just have back pain or what is it and right yeah it's a little comfortable um, what but do you now say? that yeah I mean it totally would depend on how I would feel that day okay you know sometimes I would just kind of say oh you know it's it's kind of personal or I if I felt strong about it I just say I have a pelvic floor condition um and most people don't really know what that is but people know what the pelvis is so they're like oh okay and then they or, don't ask anymore <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like it's a lady problem <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and and like especially for trainers when I would tell them like okay I can't do these things and they would always ask if it was my back, I would just say, just pretend I'm pregnant. Those are my limitations. <laughs> you know? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, good strategy. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool, so yeah, sorry, so, carry on. I just, I was curious. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Yeah, so um, I graduated from physical therapy in April, <laughs> which was very Congratulations. Exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's... Um, it's been really nice to not have to go every week or mm. think about it quite as much and um, just kind of, you know, ha do my maintenance and I have a follow-up appointment this week, so I'll be going back, but um, it's nice to not have to do it all yeah, the time. Yeah, I can imagine. So when, yeah. when you say you've overcome it, does that mean that you don't, it's like, gone or it's just reduced like yeah so my physical therapist says I have not had vaginismus for for a few months now so wow. I, I, that's incredible yeah. oh I'm so happy yeah. for you that's amazing thank you yeah it's awesome and then you know for the last few months of physical therapy it was working on that muscle tightness and pelvic floor dysfunction <laughs> aspect mm. of it I just no longer had the involuntary spasms. Right, okay. That's and there's still, yeah, and there's still, um, you know, I don't, I still have, you know, I'm still pretty tight down there. Like, I can do all the things I want to do, but there's, um, there's still some spots around my pelvic floor that are a little tighter than others that give a little pain if I insert something a certain way right, or okay, yeah. whatever. So it's not like, it's something that I'll probably have to deal with and keep um, maintaining yeah. progress, but it's definitely more manageable and livable at this point. That's incredible. I'm so happy for you. And I think that's like Thank such you. a lovely thing for um, the listeners to hear because, you know, if they're worried about this, then at least they know that it's possible to to reduce it or to live with it more manageably. Yeah, I mean, I'm so happy that it's worked out that, um, you know, as we're making the film and as the film's going to get more attention and more people are going to see it, you know, the film doesn't end with um, me being where I'm at. Like, I wrote the film when I was very sad and frustrated and hopeless mm. but you know when I hear from people who are dealing with it I can now say like 
I know it sucks, but I promise if you find the right treatment and you stick with it, you can make a lot of progress and overcome it because I have. And, you know, it's taken four years of hard work. Yeah, wow. But, you know, I'm here now and I'm able to do the things I want to do. And, um, you know, it doesn't have such control over my body or the way I feel about my body as much. So it's been really nice timing. (laughs) Yeah, completely. And maybe it will be like, you know, you can make a second film about, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Getting better, (laughs) that'd be cool. So let's talk about the film. Um, How did the film come about? Like, why did you want to make it in the first place? And, um, you know, what's, what, what are you covering in the film? Sure. So I went to graduate school to get my MFA in film and media production. Mm-hmm. And I really love documentaries. That's where my heart is. That's the kind of film I like to make. And in grad school, I just felt like I was, you know, I was like in my early to mid-20s. And most of the people I was in school with were older than me. And I just felt like all the time there would be these comments about sex that just, you know, it's just this expectation that everyone was doing it. And, right, yeah. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I should make a documentary about vaginismus or virginity. Um, but I couldn't think of a good way to tell that story that would be cinematically interesting. Mm. Um, that would really, because I've, I've seen a few videos where it's just talking head interviews of people explaining how vaginismus or vulvodynia or whatever condition has impacted their lives. But I'm still like, that's kind of boring to watch and you don't really get a sense <laughs> right, of yeah. how it feels in your body yeah, or yeah. like how it really plays on your emotions. So you know, I was thinking about it for a long time, and then I had some pretty um, disappointing experiences dating, and it was just really hard. It was like, I keep getting rejected for this, mm. and nobody sees me as this whole person because I can't have sex, and like, it just felt impossible, and you know, like, being in a relationship or dating is... You know, like I wanted to experience that. Yeah, and yeah, of course. It, it was really hard to keep getting rejected for the functionality of one body part, um, especially because I was working so hard to overcome it. Mm. And so I decided to write an essay about it. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't really know. Like one day I just kind of woke up and I was like, it would be a perfect animated film because like in animation you just have all of the possibilities and hardly any limitations you know a line can become a sailboat into a bunny rabbit into uh, a fan you know like it can just you know it it really opens up a lot of possibilities especially since a lot of my story has already happened in the past so how do you like tell a story that you don't have footage of? Um, so animation would really allow me to 
jump back in time. It would allow me to imagine possible futures for myself. It would allow me to create kind of figurative uh, images for how it made me feel. Mm. And so I had a good friend in my cohort who was a professional animator before coming to grad school. And we met for lunch one day and I told him all about vaginismus and, you know, it was, we were, we were good, good friends at that point, but really no, I hadn't told many people about it at all. Mm. So he was just like, what? Like he had no idea these things existed. He had no idea I was struggling with them. And I pitched him the idea for Tightly Wound and he was just sold. He was like, I'm in, I'm your guy. That's like, so awesome. Yeah, it was really great because, you know, not only do I not know a lot of animators, but I, if like I was going to find an animator to do it, I wanted it to be someone I felt safe with and I already had a relationship with. And so he was the perfect person. Mm. And I'm still so grateful he was into it. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I was going to ask about your team because mm. I, I saw that he was a guy and I was like, like, wow that I mean that's really cool and did it yeah. did it ever get awkward no I mean <laughs> sometimes so sometimes in making the film he we have to have really funny conversations you know he'll message me and be like okay do you want the vulva outline to have labia <laughs> and you know I'm like yes it should have labia like it's a vulva <laughs> and so he's like okay I'll go google that <laughs> and he um or the first time he animated uh the tampons I was like you know that's not how tampons work like oh my god that's so cute <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so um I was out of the country and he was using my computer at the time so I'm like I have some in my bathroom like just go open one up <laughs> amazing <laughs> yeah and uh and then he has me because sometimes in the animation it's too hard for him to animate movements um just like creating them out of nothing so sometimes right, okay he, i do you know rotoscoping no i'm sorry no i don't oh it's okay it's i mean i don't really know either but it's a process basically where if you film yourself doing something and then he can animate you can trace the video. So ah, that cool. Yeah, because just sometimes like little movements with hands are very difficult to animate like freehand. Um, so like I've filmed myself like, you know, like fully clothed, but pretending to insert a tampon. <laughs> um, I filmed myself like breathing heavily. Like it's just you know he asked me to do some kind of funny things to wow. be able to make it <laughs> that's great so you then in order to fund the film you decided to launch a kickstarter yes. what what made you go with kickstarter and what was that process like for you sure um so we had rate we got a five thousand dollar grant from the austin film society in last summer and mm. that was that allowed us to create a one minute teaser so that we could 
show the world like, hey, this is what the film is going to look like. And, and that's what's on your website, right? Yes. And okay, it's like, great. hey, we actually have the ability to make it. It's, you know, it's kind of a proof of concept. But okay, yeah. it's really hard to get grants in general and especially for short films. Mm. There aren't a lot of grants you can even apply to. Um, so Kickstarters and crowdfunding campaigns are really like every film has to do it at this point if you're an independent filmmaker. And so I, you know, I was like, we have to raise the money to get at least the animation done. So we set a goal of $20,000 so that we could pay Sebastian to work full time for about nine months. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the process, Jesus, nine months full time on that. That's incredible. Sorry. Just, just doing the math. Like, wow, that's, that's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours and, you know, we talk about, we're constantly touching base about the timeline to make sure we're on schedule because mm. there are film festival submissions that we're trying to meet. Oh, cool. Like deadlines. Yeah. And, um, you know, he's working very fast. If most short animations, you know, take at least a year to a couple of years to do, but he no is way. just trying to get out. That's insane. Yeah, like him working as fast as he can get six seconds of animation done in a day. Wow. That's incredible. six seconds. Yeah. It's tedious and time consuming and amazing. But um, so that was kind of the plan. I was like, okay, if we can raise the 20,000, we can pay Sebastian, mm. and then hopefully we can prove to other grants and maybe individuals that, you know, this film is happening and they should donate or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was when we filmed the Kickstarter video that morning. I was just lying in bed, like I can't do this. How, how am I gonna do this? Like I'm gonna put my face on this, and you know, I was a professor at the University of <laughs> Texas that semester. I was teaching there. I'm like my students are probably going to catch wind of this. Right. And yeah. like, you know, like <laughs> my, you know, my colleagues and like all these things, like I'm never going to yeah, get asked. Yeah. So you're making again. yourself very vulnerable. So vulnerable. And I just, I felt so sick to my stomach all day when we filmed that. Um, and my, you know, my essay, I can't remember if my essay was published by that point. It may or may not have, but okay, I at yeah. least knew it was going to be published. I'm like, that's one thing because awesome. even though my name's on it, mm. it's not on my face and, you know, being yeah. talking about it. Um, so it was really hard, but I was met, once we launched, I was met with so much support and compassion and people were so excited and I'm so relieved because <laughs> <laughs> um, I had no idea how people were going to react. Yeah, I mean, what was the response like from your, like, what I, did your colleagues find out and your family and friends? How did they react? Yeah, it felt like a coming out. Wow, um, what a relief. Because, yeah, because um, at that point, like, both my parents knew about it, a couple close friends, but... Um, this was really like, okay, everyone I know, everyone I encounter, like this, this is what they're going to know about me. Mm. And I just overwhelming positive support. Like it was incredible. Um, people really responded to it. I think 
everybody's had a time where they felt different and they've, you know, maybe if they're with a partner, they have some tough conversation they have to bring up or um, feeling inadequate when it comes to dating and sex. Yeah. Um, so, like, even people who don't have pelvic floor conditions or pelvic pain, like, have reached out to me and told me why they relate to it. And That's so that interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or people who've just had chronic pain or medical problems or whatever it is. Like, um, I think people really respond to others being vulnerable and honest. Mm. And it is such a tough thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and even like, and my students did catch wind of it and <laughs> they were also very supportive and, you know, didn't. I mean, at least to me, they didn't seem uncomfortable that their professor was out in the world talking about her vagina, so. That's cool. Good students. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I think Texas, or like Austin, really, is a very supportive film community, and it's a place where people kind of let their weird flags fly, so. That's um, great. Yeah, and then family members who didn't know reached out, and were supportive and excited. So it was all, all like a very great experience. Um, and of course we had a lot of press during that time. Yeah, you had loads, it's amazing. Yeah, like I couldn't even keep up with it. It was incredible. A Cosmo, Bus, Bustle, a Mighty, Huck, like it was awesome. It was so validating that people cared about not only my story but just about pelvic pain in general yeah I can, I can imagine that must have been such a relief to have you were so scared and then like the whole <laughs> yeah. world is just kind of gripped onto it but in the best way possible you know just behind you exactly it's been so amazing and I think that telling my story I mean, the process of writing it and telling it and becoming public about it, I think all of those things helped with my physical progress as well. Mm, yeah. Um, it felt like I was taking ownership. It felt empowering. It's um, like in this weird way, I was coming into my own like sexuality just by owning that I yes. didn't have sex <laughs> yeah I can, no I get what you're saying that's like you're just taking you've been given this condition you're like well I'm taking control of it now if this is what you're going to give me then I'll do something with it yeah exactly and I think people's positive responses you know I I, I really believe that the soul the body the heart the brain all those things are connected and I think getting so much support and great feedback was very healing for me. That's amazing. I'm so pleased to hear. Um, so I'm aware that we will need to wrap up soon. I could keep talking because I've got sure. so many questions. Um, but the next steps with, well, actually, firstly, um, how did the Kickstarter do then? I mean, I, I know I, I donated, but I can't remember what you ended on. Yeah. We ended up with 30,000. That's so we awesome. Raised, 
Yeah, we raised 150% of our goal, which allows us to um, not only pay for animation, but also for our sound design, our music, our sound mix, um, you know, kind That's of simple. like all that part of it. So now we just have to raise more money to get it out into the world, but at least we have enough to make a film. Yeah. <laughs> so what yeah. are the next steps? You're making, you're working on the film at the moment. Yeah. So Sebastian's in Chile working on it full time. And then we are, let's see. So I'm speaking at a few places this summer to keep raising awareness. We partnered with the International Pelvic Pain Society for the first ever Pelvic Pain Awareness Month in May. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm still trying to do a lot of outreach and mm. uh, raising awareness because that was my goal for this film to have the film uh, provide a platform. And then hopefully the film will be done in September and we can start submitting to film festivals and hopefully getting into film festivals in early 2018. That's so exciting. We have to have you back on like when it's about to launch or after the launch. Yes. Just, yeah. Because I'm sure yeah. there'll be so much more progress by then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And definitely once we start getting into film festivals, I'm sure things will really take off and change and, you know. Yeah, be lots to talk about. Um, so last question, um, just for any listeners who are thinking, oh, that sounds like it might be me, um, or who know they already have it, what advice would you give for, you know, managing the pain, or are there any good resources out there um, or treatments that, you know, have worked for you that you would like to signpost people to? Sure. Well, I collect resources whenever I get a new, whenever I get wind of a new doctor or PT or whatever, uh, I put it on my website, tightlywoundfilm.com. There's a tab for public pain resources. Some have locators for doctors and PTs. Some I just put specific clinics up there, or practices, um, but overall advice, I would say don't, if you know something is wrong and I believe people know in their body when something is wrong, mm. uh, don't let any doctor or um, friend or family member tell you differently. And if you have to keep going to different doctors to find answers, like don't give up. Like it's, you have to find the right one. Yeah. Yeah. And, it can be very difficult to do that, but to just be an advocate for your health, be an advocate for your body and sexuality, um, and you know, and look into physical therapy. Physical therapy was so wonderful for me. It definitely helped me physically. It helped me emotionally. Like, I love my physical therapist. Um, like, my whole PT practice was so supportive in my journey. That's not lovely. just physically but emotionally too yeah and they've been very supportive of the film so I think like keep looking and keep working hard and even if you are in treatment and when it gets hard to just keep working towards it um, 
I mean, it was a long process for me and it could be longer for someone else, but it's just a matter of being that advocate for yourself and believing in yourself. That's great. Thank you so much. I think that's going to be really useful. Um, and I'm definitely going to go and have a look through some of the links that you've got on your website. So thank you for that. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think that it's just going to be so interesting for listeners. And like you said earlier, there's kind of so many conditions that cross over and, you know, like interlink. So I think this mm -hmm. could be really useful for lots of women out there with other um, pelvic issues. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me and letting You're me welcome. tell my story. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, good luck with the project and I can't wait to see the film. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that's it. I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Um, I hope it was informative. And if you do um, have any questions for Shelby, I'm sure you could just send her over a message on Instagram or via email. She's got great resources on her website um, and I'm going to put links to her website. Um, and her social media accounts in the show notes. So check them out. Um, I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, I know that there was some kind of faint banging um, in the background. I'm not sure what it was. Um, the day that I recorded, there was like really bad weather outside, like really, it was really windy. Um, and I have got my own little studio that I've made up, but perhaps it didn't block that out um, as much as it could have done. So it could have been that, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I am aware that sound quality is important and I'm, I'm doing my best. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know that I'm sorry about that. Um, and yeah, I, I've tried to make it as quiet as possible um, with editing, but there's obviously only so much you can do. Um, so yeah, I will keep working on it and do my best to bring you high quality content. Um, if you like this episode, please go over to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. You have to do this on a PC. So just search this Endo Life podcast and then you don't actually need to say podcast, but this Endo Life. Um, and if you go to ratings and reviews, you can just leave some stars and say what you think about it. I would really appreciate it. The more um, the more reviews and ratings I get, the higher it is in the iTunes chart. So it just means it's easier for other endo sisters and chronic illness warriors to find it. Um, if you want to say hi to me, I'm on Instagram at this underscore endo life. Um, I'm on Facebook at this endo life.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at this underscore endo life with a capital T. <laughs> Oh my gosh, capital T, capital E, and a capital L. Got there in the end. Um, and you can also come and read my blog at thisendolife.com. So yeah, that's all for this week. I will see you in another two weeks time and I can't wait to bring you more guests.